Well, hey, good morning, Plum Creek. I want to welcome everybody here today, and I am really glad that you decided to be here and help us celebrate this Christmas season. And let me just pause for a moment and give a shout out to our worship team. These guys, they've worked especially hard over the past few months, and I love the way they're helping us keep our focus on Jesus during this season. So I want to say thank you to these guys. And uh, a, lot, a lot of other special things are yet to come as we lead up to Christmas. But today we're in the second week of our series called Love Does. I mentioned last week that this series was inspired by a book called Love Does, written by Bob Goff. And here's the main idea of the book. Bob Goff is trying to help followers of Jesus move beyond just thinking and talking about love. We need to stop talking and get to the doing part of our faith because love isn't real unless it translates into action. Now, when you think about it, one of the most dramatic examples of God's love is the story of Christmas. Last week, we looked at John 3.16, which says that God loved the world so much that he had to do something. And what did he do? He sent his one and only son to this world to save us from the penalty that we deserved because of our sin. So that's what Christmas is about. It's the celebration of this historical event when God became a man, when Jesus came to earth. Now, there's a lot about Christmas in the Bible, but this morning, I really want to focus on one little phrase in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Now, earlier in this chapter, Matthew is giving his account of the Christmas story uh, he, he already told us that Mary was expecting a child and that this was no ordinary pregnancy. The, the angel appeared to Joseph, Mary's fiance, and, and told him not to break off this engagement because this baby was conceived miraculously. This was the work of God. And then here's what we read in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. It says, All this took place... To fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Matthew tells us that this miracle pregnancy was really the fulfillment of an old prophecy. In verse 23, he quotes that prophecy from the book of Isaiah. And you can go back to the Old Testament and read those words in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And that's an amazing thing because Isaiah was written over 700 years before the birth of Jesus. So already, there's a lot we could dig into here. But I really want to focus on that name, the name that Matthew mentions there in verse 23. The prophet Isaiah foretold that this special child would be called Emmanuel. And then Matthew explains that this name means God with us. That's what we're talking about today, this this idea of God with us. Three little words, huge implications. When Jesus came into this world at the first Christmas, he was the embodiment of this idea. Jesus was God with us. But there's another layer to this. Because Jesus did more than just spend a few years on this planet as the Son of God. 
Jesus did more than provide our world with a temporary God with us moment. He made it possible for any of us to be with God permanently for all of eternity. All of eternity. And, and why is that so important? Well, it's important because this is our greatest longing. There is literally nothing that you and I want more than to be with God. Now, it may not always feel that way. Uh, we may feel like we have a stronger desire for other things. And we may spend more time or money or energy pursuing and running after those other things. But the reality is, at the core of our souls, our deepest longing is to be with God, to be loved by Him. That is true even if you're not sure you believe in God. You can tell. Have you ever wondered why you go through life with this restlessness that never seems to go away? And have you ever wondered why nothing in this world can make you feel completely satisfied? This is why. This is the reason. The only place where any of us could ever be completely satisfied is to be safe and secure in the presence of God. That's where all of us are meant to be. We've all been created with this longing. Some people call it a God-shaped hole inside of us. This week, I saw a great illustration of this truth when I heard a father talking about his newborn baby daughter. This dad was amazed at how much his presence meant to his baby girl. Now, you may have heard of the guy I'm talking about. He's a well-known Christian comedian named Michael Jr., and he tells the story in this video. So I wanted to share that with you. Let's watch it together. Yo, comedian Michael Jr. here. As you know, I just flat out enjoy doing comedy. But one of the things I love way more than that is being a dad. Not too long ago, I'm going through some video footage, and I run into this video of my youngest daughter being born. Now, of course, I was there. I actually took the video, but I had never really experienced it from this perspective before. Now, look, we're in the hospital room. She's uh, sticky, and she's baby and all that stuff, and she's in the middle of crying. And then I speak up. I start talking to her, and watch how she responds when she hears my voice. Okay, Portland, look, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. I'm right here, I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay. It's okay, I'm right here. Right here, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, baby, it's okay. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> so check it. A few minutes later, uh, the nurse starts working on her, puts her pamper on her, and uh, I'm not saying anything, and she actually starts to cry again. Then I speak up, she hears my voice, and stops crying, like again. But I want you to notice what else happens after I tell her that I love her. Portland, it's okay. It's okay, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm right here, I'm right here. I am right here. I love you, I love you. I love you. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. 
that's just phenomenal. <laughs> like, whoa. Here's the thing. We'll always have times where we're not as comfortable, probably even to the point of tears, where life is just heavy. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice. Because he is trying to talk to you. And I can tell you what he wants you to know is that he loves you. All you got to do is open your eyes. Now, isn't that amazing? I mean, that's the power of presence. And, and just like that baby girl found peace in the presence of her loving father, all of us are crying out for a peace that can only come from the presence of God. This is how we've been wired. We've been created with this longing to be with Him. And it makes sense when you think about it. God created us in His image, and He is a relational being. For example, God has existed throughout eternity in a relationship with Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. Our God is three in one. But He's also relational when it comes to human beings. He wants to be with us. That's who God is. And we're made in his image. So yes, we're relational too. We crave relationships with other people, but like I said, our deeper longing is to be with God in relationship with him. So when Matthew tells us that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, that is no small thing. Matthew is showing how the Christmas story is connected to the overall story of the Bible. Now, scripture as a whole, it, it tells one big story, and this is one way we could describe it. The Bible tells the story of how God's presence is lost and then regained. You know, way back in the beginning, back in the Garden of Eden, there was a time when Adam and Eve got to experience God's presence in a remarkable way. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no separation between them and God, they could go for a walk with God in the garden. Kind of blows your mind. But then after they sinned, that relationship was broken. You read about this in Genesis chapter 3. In that chapter, Adam and Eve disobey God by eating the fruit that he told them not to eat. And then immediately, they start freaking out and trying to hide. Genesis 3, 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves from his presence. Why? Because they felt guilty. And they felt like they didn't deserve to be in God's presence anymore. And they were right. Sin has to separate us from God because he is completely holy and righteous and good. And if he just tolerated any amount of sin in his presence, he would compromise his goodness and his purity, and he's just not going to do that. So from Adam and Eve all the way down to us, we've had this barrier between us and God, and the barrier was sin. All of humanity has been like Michael Jr.'s baby daughter, feeling alone and crying out for comfort. Now, thankfully, God loves us in spite of our sin. 
So he's been working throughout history to solve this problem. In the days of the Old Testament, there was a temporary system in place called the law system. And under the law, the people of Israel tried to obey all of God's commands, but they always fell short. They continued to sin. And that continued sin meant continued separation from God. So this law system included something we call animal sacrifice. And it may seem a little strange to us today, but the idea was that an animal would suffer to pay for the sins of the people. And as the priests of Israel prayed for God's forgiveness, they offered these animal sacrifices in a particular location, either in the tabernacle or in the temple. And why there? It was because in Old Testament times, the tabernacle and later the temple That was the location of God's presence. If you wanted to be with God, that's where you had to go. So in the Old Testament, God's presence is focused on a place. But obviously, the the whole law, law system, it was flawed from the beginning for a couple of reasons. First of all, an animal can't really pay for the sins of a human. That doesn't work. Second, No human being is ever going to be successful at obeying all of God's commands. So the law system couldn't provide any real or permanent solution. No permanent way for people to be welcomed back into God's presence. And that's where things stood for hundreds and hundreds of years. But when Jesus came, everything changed. In the New Testament, God's presence is focused on a person, and that person is Jesus. Go back to Matthew 1.23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God became one of us. He became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. So the presence of God finds its greatest expression in Emmanuel, God with us. And that name, Emmanuel, it's like a loving father coming alongside his child and saying, it's okay, I'm right here, I love you. And if you had been alive when Jesus was walking the earth, you could have experienced that. You could have walked with God in a way that hadn't been possible since the days of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But like we said, the coming of Jesus was not only for those who were fortunate enough to live in first century Palestine. Jesus made it possible for all of us to be with God forever. And how did he do that? Well, he instituted a new system. Not the law system, it's the system of grace. And this time around, there's no need to sacrifice an animal because Jesus himself was the sacrifice. And because Jesus was completely human, and did not sin, he could suffer and die in our place. His sacrifice on the cross totally counts as a substitutionary payment for our sins. This is the story of the gospel. This is how God's presence is regained. And when we accept what Jesus did for us, when we give our lives to him, we can be forgiven Once and for all, the stain of sin is removed, so there's no need to be separated from God anymore. That's been taken care of. We can be with Him permanently. That is actually the best possible news that anyone could ever hear. 
But the story's not quite over yet. Today we're in this in-between stage where if you belong to Jesus, yes, you have received forgiveness, but we still live in this world. We still struggle with sin. Now, Jesus didn't leave us alone here. Uh, Before he returned to heaven, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to all of you, and he will guide you and encourage you and be with you. And that's still true today. The Holy Spirit is living within every follower of Jesus. He is with us in the here and now. And that's great, but it's not quite the same as seeing God face to face. So that's why we look forward to the day when we will be done with this world. Jesus talked about this in John chapter 14 where he told his followers that he would prepare a place for us. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Did you catch that? Why is Jesus coming back for those who belong to him? So that we can be where he is, so that we can truly be with him. And you know, once you start to notice this theme of God's presence in Scripture, you start to see it all over the place. It starts back in Genesis with the Garden of Eden, and then it continues all the way to the book of Revelation, where we get a description of heaven. Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, let's make sure we get this. Why is heaven going to be great? Is it because we get to walk on streets of gold? Is it because you can be reunited with people you love? Well, those things are good, no doubt about it, but they aren't even close to the number one reason to be excited about heaven. Far and away, The best thing about heaven is that God will be with us. The barriers will all be gone once and for all, and we will see him face to face and we'll worship him and enjoy him forever. That's what's exciting about heaven. And if we're not really motivated by that idea right now, it's only because we don't understand how great this is going to be. This is our deepest longing. We long to be with God. There was a Christian leader from the 4th century named Augustine. You may have heard of him. He was often called a saint. A town in Florida was named after him. Uh, But Augustine really understood this longing that all of us have. He once wrote out this prayer to God. He said, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. I love that quote because it gets to the core of the issue. We're getting close to Christmas, and a lot of us are thinking about wish lists. And all of us have a list of things we want, and I'm not necessarily talking about uh, what will be under the tree. Often our desires are bigger than that. We may want a better job situation. We may want a better family situation. We may want a certain person in our lives to start behaving differently. And all of these things may be important to us, but don't forget this quote from Augustine. If we got every item on our wish list, but we still found ourselves separated from God, we would still be restless. 
what we truly want and what we truly need is to be in God's presence, fully known and fully loved. And the great news of Christmas is that this is what God has offered to us. Because of God's great love for us, Jesus came to earth. He made it possible to be with God forever. That's truly a reason to celebrate. But we don't just receive this gift, say thank you, and stop there. We can't do that. And that's the point of this series, right? We, we can't stop at receiving God's love. We need to let God's love flow through us. We need to show his love to others. In fact, that's what Jesus told us to do. In John chapter 13, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So we follow the example of Jesus. We learn to love the way he did. And we've already seen this morning that one of the greatest things Jesus gave was his presence. And we can do the same thing when you think about it. Giving presence is one of the best ways to show love. Now, if you're filling out the blanks in your bulletin, make sure you spell this right. Not T-S at the end. It's the S, or it's the C-E. So just be with someone. We've seen this, haven't we? That's sometimes the best way you can show love. Just give the gift of your presence. And you know what? Anybody can do that when you choose to be physically present and you make the effort to be with someone. You communicate value to that person. Can you think about a time when somebody showed up in your life and they made you feel appreciated or loved? Maybe it was someone who came to watch your game or watch your performance. It could have been someone who met you for breakfast or went fishing with you. Maybe it was someone who took the time to find out how you're really doing. Maybe it was someone who sat next to you as you were struggling with tragedy or loss. I'm sure you can remember at least one person who showed up in your life and made a difference by being there for you. So what's our action step here today? If love does, what is it that we need to do? Well, let's get specific. Where do you need to practice the ministry of presence? I'll give you a couple of suggestions. The first one is to start with your family. And I'd say this is important for a lot of us, but it's especially critical for those of us who are parents with children at home. When we think about our kids, we should never underestimate the impact that can come from our presence. And yes, our families are often super busy, and maybe we don't always get along. There are all kinds of reasons that this may be difficult, but I really want to encourage all of us this morning. Let's make a commitment to be more intentional with the time that we have together. I heard a preacher named Ben Kachiris talking about this, and he had an idea that I thought was really helpful. He said, what if we focus on just three areas, bedtime, dinner time, and car time? If we focused on those three things, if if we got more intentional about being present during those three blocks of time, that could make a big difference in our families. And you know, there is research to back this up. Research has shown that there is one single behavior that can provide a long list of benefits for your kids. If you adopt this one behavior, you lower your child's odds for substance abuse, teen pregnancy, or depression. 
This one behavior has been connected to a higher GPA and a larger vocabulary, as well as lower rates of obesity and eating disorders. Do you have a guess as to what I'm talking about? Yeah, some of you got it. This was kind of a surprise to me, but the behavior associated with all of those benefits is eating dinner together as a family. The power of that behavior does not really have so much to do with food. The power is in the presence. It's in having real conversations. It's in telling stories and sharing life lessons and and truly being together. So let's give this some thought. In our families, how can we remove barriers so that we can be more present with each other? Maybe you start by scheduling at least one additional meal together per week. Even if you're at zero right now, that would be a step in the right direction. And while we're at it, we should talk about something else that can create barriers in our families. Have you ever noticed how certain devices like phones or tablets can isolate us from each other? And we've seen it in our home, and I bet you have too. But these things are everywhere today, so what can you do? Well, just like scheduling one extra meal together, how about carving out at least one block of time every week that is completely device-free? And you know, there are lots of ways to to do this. You could combine these ideas and, and make the family meal to be your time with no technology. Let's learn how to be fully present with each other. Let's especially think about those three windows Bedtime, dinner time, and car time. The goal is to allow our families to receive the God-given blessings that come from togetherness. I know this goal is a struggle for most families, mine included, but the goal is too important to neglect it. So that's my first suggestion. Start with your family. Be more intentional with the time that you have. But I also have to say this. Yes, start with your family but don't stop there. I guarantee you, if you are willing, God will use you this week to bless someone else just by showing up and offering your presence. The question is, who should that person be for you? It could be that you already know exactly who that person is. Maybe you know of someone who's lonely and feeling a little forgotten right now, and you could let them know that they are not alone. Maybe you know someone who's going through some kind of crisis and you could bring that person comfort just by being there. And you may have some encouraging words to share, but it's okay if you don't. Sometimes that person just needs you to listen or even sit in silence. So yes, you may know exactly where you need to practice the ministry of presence, but maybe you don't. And if that's the case, man, we got a great opportunity for you this month. Last week, we started talking about a ministry called WISH. WISH stands for Welcoming International Students Home. And this ministry reaches out to international students up at Northern Kentucky University. As we approached this Love Does series, we saw an opportunity for our church to show God's love in a practical way. The WISH ministry began back in August, and several members of Plum Creek have been involved from the beginning. And they've been excited to see how God is already working. And some of them put together a video that would give us a better idea of what WISH is about. So let's go ahead and watch that together. 
500 of our world leaders currently studied abroad in the United States during their college days. So think about the ripple effect that it could create to have one positive interaction today. Every day, dozens of international students come through the doors right down here to learn and to be a part of our culture. For you all, it's about 20 minutes away or less from Pump Creek, or if you're volunteering somewhere else in the area, it's much closer than getting on a plane and going thousands of miles away. If you were interested in getting involved in WISH, you'd be having the chance to form friendships with those from Saudi Arabia, from Nepal, from Africa, and many other places really easily. And sadly, 80% of these students, not just at Northern, but anywhere in the country, will never set foot in an American home while they're here. So my question for you all is, if it were you, if it were your kids, or if it were your grandkids, going to another place, wouldn't you feel better knowing that they had adoptive friends and family ready and waiting for them upon their arrival? That's why we established WISH this summer as an outreach to international students in our own back door. WISH stands for Welcoming International Students Home. WISH is both an NKU student organization and a behind-the-scenes ministry to support our activities. Hi, I'm Wendy Peake, and Brian and I have been working with the WISH organization since it began back in August. We have spent a lot of time with the students going to events. We also have taken some of the individual students um, out to shop with us, out to eat. We've had, had them in our home. We just try to think of ways to include them in our lives. And uh, it's just, it's been a lot of fun. But what we have found out over the last couple months is that they have impacted our lives so much. They have brought joy and they've just been a blessing to get to know. I just can't even imagine what they're going through. They show up uh, at CVG with a backpack with some clothes and that's about it. There's, you know, not to mention language barriers and all of the other issues that they're going to face here. They show up without uh, basic amenities. The, the various ways that, that WISH is able to help these students. As a, as a student here 25 years ago, I can only imagine what that would have meant to me and I can I can't even imagine what it means to these kids. My name is Abby and I'm a freshman at NKU as well as a member here at Plum Creek. For me personally, WISH has become more than just weekly meetings and a monthly activity. It's become an opportunity for genuine friendship. We eat together during lunch now, multiple times a week. We go shopping, invited some over for Thanksgiving. It's just been a really cool opportunity to have these students become a part of my life as well as I've hopefully become a part of theirs. Hi, my name is Abella. I'm from Brazil and my major is international business. And when I first got here, like the first couple of months were kind of rough. But after we, we meet like a lot of nice people, it gets easier all the time. Hi, my name is Shraddha and I'm an international student and I'm from Nepal. My major is marketing. It's, it's a great honor to be a part of NKU. Thank you. Already, students are asking questions about why we care about them and even about going to church. We believe that as more people get involved in showing love and living out their walk with Christ alongside our new friends, God will do even greater things. Isn't that cool? And I'm glad you're getting to see some of the faces of students who are already being impacted by this ministry, but we really believe this is only the beginning of what God could do. So far, there have been over 50 students involved in WISH, but NKU has around 500 international students on campus in all. And last Sunday, I talked about our plan for the month of December. 
And the first stage of the plan is to put together care packages and welcome bags for these students. And we've started collecting items that will go into these packages. And if you haven't already committed to bring something, you could stop by either of the displays in the back of the room here and pick up a card that would say uh, pillows or towels or hats or gloves. And you take one card for each item you're planning to bring. And we still need uh, some of these items to be accounted for, and we need everything to be collected by next Sunday, December 16th, because that's when we're making these care packages. We're going to have two identical family services next week, from elementary kids all the way up through adults. We'll worship together, we'll have a message like normal, but then we'll dismiss a little early. So we can volunteer at different stations and we'll put these packages together. There will be a job for everyone and this is going to be a blast. So that's stage one of the plan. But the second stage is we can offer the gift of presence to these students. Uh, the Wish Ministry is hosting three events this month where you can spend time with them. You can go bowling, go ice skating, or go to the Creation Museum to see Christmas lights. Uh, you can sign up for any of those events by going to plumcreek.org slash wish. Uh, my family signed up just a few days ago. But these outings are, are about more than just having fun. We can help these students feel valued, appreciated, and loved. And that is so important because each one of them is valued, appreciated, and loved by God. In the long run, that's what we want them to see. If they don't already know Jesus in a personal way, we want to help them know Him. I know this is a busy time for all of us, but I encourage you to pray about where God is leading you to practice the ministry of presence. You know, when Jesus came into this world, it's like God was saying, I'm not too preoccupied to get involved in your lives and I'm going to do whatever it takes so that I can be with you. So Jesus came to dwell among us. And he gave us the opportunity to dwell with God forever. So let's make a commitment to follow the example of Jesus. God did so much to be with us and give us his presence. So let's see how we can give our presence to others. Let's pray. Father, as we go through life, um, our thoughts are often filled with Lots of things that may have little to do with you. But God, help us to remember uh, why we're made, how we're made, that we're wired to, to long for you, to be with you, and that we'll never be satisfied apart from that. Lord, help us to, to truly appreciate what you have done for us. Help us to uh, appreciate what Christmas means to appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for all of us to be changed by that. Pray that through Jesus we'll, we'll become a different person who can love in the way that you love. And help us, Lord, to, to go out and, and share your love with as many people as possible. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.